Hey, Taco Tuesday fans, this is Christian Brindle. And I am Glenn Shelton. We came together and combined our forces to create something special for insurance agents called Taco Tuesday. Let's taco about insurance. My company, Christian Brindle Insurance Services, and my company, Lead Heroes, is here to bring you the latest and greatest news happening in the insurance industry today and eat some tacos while we do it. If you enjoy the content that we put out on this podcast, feel free to leave us a review or subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Without further ado, let's get into this episode of Taco Tuesday. Recording. Almost missed it. Welcome to Taco Tuesday, you guys. Special episode today in Medicare Gurus. Normally, we're live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard, 6 p.m. Eastern Time in the Six Figure Medicare Agent Group. Today, we're in the Medicare Gurus Facebook group. We wanted to have Justin Brock on today's episode as our special guest. Unfortunately, he is unavailable. Obviously, understandable. Very busy guy. Um, but we're moving forward with today's episode and yeah, super excited to be live in the Guru's group. What's up? Drop a comment below. A lot of times we will bring you in. We will mention your comment. We will talk about your thoughts and questions in the episode. So if you have something to say, you have a, a question, you think my Taco Tuesday shirt's better than Christian's, obviously understandable. <laughs> Black beats green all day. So uh, yeah, Christian, how's it going, man? It's, it's, it's going pretty good. Um, it's, it's unusual. You, you ever, you ever get like a weird feeling when like you go on a trip and you spend the night in someone else's house and it's not your house, you know, like you get like this feeling. It's like, okay, this isn't my bed. This isn't my shower kind of no. thing. That, that's how I feel right now in this group. I, I, that's that's un- how I feel right now. That's understandable. You know, my wife gets that way more than I do. I can like go into an Airbnb you know, and I can crash out like it's my house, but my wife like can't sleep unless it's, you know, our bed. So, so oh. Justin's coming on. Oh, he said just for a minute, just for a minute. Hey, we'll take every minute we can get. And then Tony can... Merwin might come on later. We'll see. If we we'll if... let Tony, we will <laughs> see if we let you on Tony. <laughs> Well, you know, we had several different topics. Um, I think one of the ones I was most excited to talk about today, you guys, there's also something that happened today that really fired me up with an agent that I really, really, really want to talk about because I feel like it's, it's important. Like, I feel like it's something that you guys need to be aware of. Um, so maybe while Christian's working on his technical my technical prowess. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, I mean, um, so let's talk about this agent. I yeah, hear, let's talk about this agent first, because again, this was something that fired me up today. So I get a call from an agent and this isn't a, this isn't something new. This is something that's kind of reoccurring. Um, but when I'm talking to an agent, they want to buy leads in their local area but then they're also talking about buying leads out of their local area and selling over the phone. And they kind of have their foot in both places. Like, oh, well, yeah, I think I'm gonna do telesales, 
but I also want to buy leads. And, and so like the first red flag for me, hold my imaginary red flag here, you guys, is why are you buying? If you're truly selling over the phone, why wouldn't you optimize for targeting telesales? Shouldn't you optimize for telesales? Why would you buy leads locally? The biggest advantage, in my opinion, of selling over the phone of the telesales model is targeting better areas. And this agent specifically was in LA County, which is probably one of the worst counties in the United States of America to market insurance to. And I'm, you know, I'm telling her this point blank and, um, you know, she just really wanted to move forward. Like she felt like she could do any of it. Oh, well, I, I can sell over the phone. I can sell locally. I can buy leads locally, sell over the phone. And I just told, I'm like, listen, I'm sure you can sell over the phone. It sounds like you've been selling insurance for a long time, but if you're not optimized for it, if you're not systematically approaching it, you have a CRM, you know, you're, you're, you have a follow-up process, email templates, you know, and then she, she was worried about drop off, right? Policies being canceled. And I'm like, again, this is part of telesales. Like you need to have a retention plan in place. Um, and it drives me nuts. I, I, if there's anything I could share with you guys, don't try to put your foot in both places. If you want to sell over the phone, target selling over the phone, plan for it, set up for it, talk to other telesales agents about it, optimize for it and go crush it. You want to sell on your local market, sell on your local market, meet people face to face when you can. Maybe you're doing some telesales locally, but but don't try to do both because that's the recipe for failure. Time and time again, I've seen agents fail who try to do both. So that was that was kind of something that I wanted to get off my chest. But I am curious, Christian, what do you what do you think about that? Well, I love your stories with agents because I feel like you deal with like I, I feel like sometimes I deal with a lot of agents, but then like I then I then I'm humbled when I when we get on and talk about this stuff. So I'm like, my God, sometimes some of these stories I hear from you. Um, my my thought process is, um, I I definitely think. It, I think I think it is with anything, right? I think if you're going to get really good at something, you have to pick to something and commit to it, right? Like when I was first starting. I did everything face-to-face and I got really good at face-to-face. But then when it came to doing things over the phone, at first I struggled. And because I didn't have everything in place to actually know what I was doing. Um, And so I think think there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said there, because I think if you, they're very, they're two very different arenas, right? And so there's preparation in place, systems in place, um, just kind of like a whole mentality of way of doing things about it. I think it, I think it does benefit you to kind of, you know, plant your flag in the ground and sit with it. Yeah. And then I mentioned CRM specifically, and I was like, yeah, you know, there are certain groups. And I told her, I'm like, I would be happy to recommend someone to you who all they do is telesales. If that's the direction you want to go, let me connect you with someone you know, this, and, and they have the technology in place, you know, they can, again, I'm looking at it like I'm trying to help you as an agent shortcut from your selling face to face to selling over the phone exclusively. And, and her response was, um, I can set up a CRM in like 
a day. Like, why would I, why would I contract with some? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, there are people who have pro proprietary technology in place. <laughs> that, like, I don't know. It was like talking to a brick wall. I felt like I really did. Like, I, I don't know. And, and maybe she had been screwed over before by uplines or something, you know, you never know the whole story. So I, I guess to play devil's advocate a bit with this agent, maybe there's more there than I know, but, um, that was just one of those like common fit. We talk about it here on, on the show all the time is like what separates agents who succeed from failing. And this is one of those like really common things that I see like agents who they're like, oh, I'm going to sell life and health and PNC. Oh, I'm going to sell over the phone and face to face. It's like, just pick your lane guys and go. Do something, yeah. Yeah, do, do something. something. <laughs> do something. Amen. That's seriously it. Um, I'm texting Tony back. So Tony, 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 um, Tony said that, um, he can, he can come on in about 15 minutes or so. Cool. The other topic, um, that we had talked about with Justin going through that I would love to get into, especially here in the Medicare Gurus Facebook group is, um, Medicare Advantage versus SUPS. And yes. there's some stuff that happened Sunday here in the group, someone posted about, again, kind of SUPS versus Medicare Advantage. Some of you may have seen that post. And it's kind of this time old tale. Like, I think the, I think the conversation evolves over time. I think Medicare Advantage has evolved a lot. Um, but I think the conversation, like, it's, it's like saying, it's like saying uh, an SUV is always better than a compact car. You know, there's situations where a compact car is, is great and might even be a better solution than an SUV. But then there's other situations where, man, if only you had an SUV, you could have gotten from point A to B. So I think there's reasons for both. But, you know, I would be curious to know your thoughts, Christian, about kind of Medicare Advantage versus Medicare Supplement. And, you know, if you're talking to a client, maybe you're looking at it from your agency, but yeah, tell me what, tell me what your thoughts are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, so MedSup versus Medicare Advantage, I mean, it's the age old question. I mean, there are certainly groups out there that their whole business model is around demonizing Medicare Advantage and only selling MedSup, right? And then there's the flip side of that. There's business models that do the exact same thing, but they're trying to demonize MedSup and trying to sell Medicare Advantage. Um, it's hard to know for not only, I mean, the clients are confused as hell, right? Like because of that, because there's such different voices, but the agents get confused too in the crossfire. And this is my approach to it. I mean, they're very different. They're like apples and oranges. They both have positives and negatives to them. And depending on the situation, I think if you're selling Medicare and that's a big part of what you do, or if it's a, your specialty, you should sell both. And um, we sell both. And we have the approach that um, like when I'm working with a new client, let's say someone that's turned 65, like I just met with someone this morning, my calendar got wiped out. I didn't know she was coming. I completely forgot. But, <laughs> but she, no, she showed up. And, um, <laughs> the referral, you know, someone turned 65. I, I took time and I sat down with her and I basically mapped out. I'm like, okay, this is MedSup. This is how it works. This is what you'd be paying in this area. Um, this is the pros and cons, the way I see it. Here's Medicare Advantage, same thing. 
pros and cons the way I see it. And I break it down that way when someone's turning 65. I try to show them from an unbiased perspective because I don't think every situation is exactly the same. I think, um, and people, people have different preferences, needs, all that stuff. I think that they're really apples and oranges and it just depends which one kind of guy you are, an apple guy or an orange guy, but sell both. Um, yeah, one thing I want to touch on that you said there is the fact, and, and to kind of go back to our conversation from a couple of weeks ago with Scotty, there are people who in the social media space on their websites, personal conversations where they, they literally are trying to pump themselves up by demonizing one or the other. So yeah, definitely something to consider you guys. Um, be careful what you're reading and you have to understand that whatever that person is saying that there could be financial motivation behind what they're saying that is something that personally happened to me when I got my life and health license about a decade ago um, you know everyone told me that there was no money in Medicare right and and Christian we also forgot too I'm sitting here I know we were we, we were so lost in Justin Brock ditching us today I, I didn't talk about my taco today, guys. Ooh. This Ooh. is this is a tostada. Tostada. Okay. So that's this is a taco, guys. There's a hard shell here. There's some refried beans, lettuce, beef, okay. cheese, sour cream. It's it's the dream. It really is. I already had one before we even went live. And I'm probably going to have to eat another one right now. So Christian, so, keep talking so I can just chow in front of. All right. All right. I'll let you stuff your face like always. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think, I think Cameron's right on the money. You know, Cameron's like, Cameron's like only sell PDPs because that's where the money is. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it's in, that, that, that's an interesting conversation as well. Cause like, there's a lot of shops that do, MedSup and MedSup only. I've seen more and more of these shops, by the way, including like a certain agent in South Carolina um, that demonize Medicare Advantage for years and now they sell it in their office. I'm not going to say any names. I don't even know if he's in here. This isn't my group. I'm not as familiar with. <laughs> you're, you're back to the, uh, this isn't my house. This is not you're... comfortable. Yeah, this is very <laughs> uncomfortable. Like, can, am, I, am, am I okay to sleep naked in their bed? I can sleep in my <laughs> bed. But... <laughs> don't sleep naked in the stranger's bed. <laughs> but, 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 um, but no, like it's, it's one of those things that um. Like there was, there's, there's been groups I've seen before that like, they're just so against doing AHIP, doing certifications or any of that. Like they have, they'll, ref, they'll just have clients sign up their own PDPs. They'll do all the work to locate the PDP. And then they'll be like, okay, here's how you sign up for it on your own direct. Like they won't even write it because they're just so against doing AHIP certifications or doing anything that has to do with Medicare Advantage or PDPs or anything like that. I think that's becoming more less and less of a viable way of doing business. Just my personal opinion. I think the I think the groups and the agencies that are not only able to do both but are willing to do both. I think um, I mean I think there's something to that. I think you're just you know more of a viable resource for your clients because like so many people buy Medicare Advantage these days. Like we might not like it as agents, and some of you might love it as agents. It just depends on who you are, but like. I would rather sell a MedSup than a Medicare Advantage plan all day, every day. But my office sells 70% Medicare Advantage. <laughs> like, 
it's not that we want it that way. It's that we really try to approach it from an unbiased perspective. And that just seems to be more of where our crowd leans to. Um, it's, it's definitely interesting, but I think it's just becoming more and more of a need to sell both. Yeah. So a few things on that. One is I saw an agent the other day use the terminology. What was it? It was like, because they don't write the PDP, just like you're saying, but they will take the time. Um, it was like, I think he said it was like PDP consultation. So it's like, they'll consult with them. They'll recommend it, but then they won't write it. Um, which like, if you're, if you're taking that much time to, to do that anyways, like you're reviewing the prescription, like why not just write like that? That's kind of, that blows my mind. Yeah. I would like, I would say get off the fence, right? Like if you're going to do that, just write it. If you don't want to write it, then don't even say, Hey, I don't do this. And, and don't do it, refer it to someone else. But like you said before, at the start of what you were saying there, if you don't write the PDP plan, I think statistically, Tostada, did I say, oh, dang it. I knew, I was so, I was nervous about that. Do you, by the way, do you not have tacos so, today? Um, I have, I had a quesadilla. Um, I bought, I bought the office Cafe Rio and um, I got this gigantic cheese, melted cheese, smothered, greasy quesadilla. And um, I, I couldn't wait. I just <laughs> I wanted it so bad. So I just, I hate the whole thing. <laughs> Tostada, taco. Pre-gaming, pre-game taco Tuesday. All right, Myra. All right, I see you. Um, but what, what you were saying before, the, the last statistic I saw quoted, and take this with a grain of salt, I don't know how accurate it is, but supposedly if you don't write that PDP plan when you have a Medicare supplement client, your chance of losing that Medicare supplement client to someone who is willing to write the PDP plan is significantly higher. It's like you could lose, I want to say it was like 20% of those who don't get the PDP plan could fall off. So you, one out of five clients, you could have an attrition rate. Whereas if you write the PDP plan, you know, a med sub client isn't going anywhere. You're talking about probably less than a 5% fall off, which is insane when you look at attrition rates across any book of business in the insurance world, life insurance, final expense, P and C, I don't know any line of insurance that has an attrition rate that's above 95%. So, you know, I think it's one of those things where you really have to look at it from the top down and realize, you know, is it worth losing additional clients just because you're not going to take that time to write the plan? It doesn't make sense. It, and that's what you said there is so accurate. Like I can tell you for me, when I was first starting out and I was just clawing for any client I could get, you know, like nobody knows who I am. And, and all, all, all people that have worked as agents know that feeling. Like you don't have a brand, you don't have a company, nobody knows who you are, you don't have referrals, none of that stuff. <laughs> that was overpowering. Um, but, 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 the thing is like, I've gone into houses where, you know, I'm able to write the PDP and that's my opening, you know, and then I'm able to get the sup either right there on the spot or like two months down the road or something like that. Um, there's, I mean, there's been situations before where like I've written someone on a PDP and that's all I've written knowing that I'll make pennies. And then 
but they couldn't pass underwriting at that point in time or something along those lines. I'll come back in a year and I'll write this up and I'll have their business for years and years after that. I mean, um, I've rolled out a lot of agents because they've given me that little crack in the armor to where I can get in and write the PDP first. So it's, it's facts. It's true. How often, so from, from your point of view, how many times are you sitting down with a prospect where you come to the realization that the Medicare agent that last worked with them didn't write the, like how, how common is it? Like how often are you seeing it where they didn't write the PDP? It's not as common as you think. Oh, there he is. The man, the myth, the legend. The that better be a taco in your mouth, good sir. Do they serve tacos at the seminar? Yeah, fish tacos. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, looking good, man. I like your hat. Yeah, looking Thanks, awesome. buddy. Well, I was, um, I'm really sorry. I was like, yeah, Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. And I forgot Stephen and Rob scheduled this seminar on Tuesday and Thursday of this week. So, no worries. But, you know, no we've got, we got 30 people showing up. So I got to go. I got to go. I got to sell some books, guys. Yeah. Christian, tell them, both of you guys, that's how we really make our money. It's the book sales. It's those book royalties. It's oh, the book royalties. Good. <laughs> hey, it's gonna pay for my think, island, dude. Yeah, I think. I mean, you got it. You got. I mean, the, I mean, the, my tax guy is a heart attack when I hand him my 1099 for my book royalties every year. <laughs> <laughs> like I have a hundred. I have like 35 1099s, and here's the one from Amazon, yeah. and that's the one that's gonna surprise you. Oh yeah, that's. that's <laughs> I think my book royalty from Amazon was like. 500 bucks or something this year like <laughs> so I wrote, I wrote mine and put it out like in October so yeah and it is an interesting thing um it was never to really make money it was more to just try to have a resource to hand out as, as much as anything and sure. be one more piece of content out there you know hey so I'm yeah, sure question, it's the same thing for you guys yeah absolutely question for you man so I was just talking to Christian about this and I'm curious to know from your point of view so how many times are you running into a Medicare prospect where the last agent wrote the Medicare plan but didn't write the PDP plan mm. wrote the meds up but no PDP yeah and like like and they have a PDP or they and they just don't even have one so maybe they don't don't have one and they need one or maybe they have the wrong one right they should be on a different plan um, you know, um, how common do you I, see that? I, I think that um, we used to see it a lot. I would say the mix of my business has changed in the last couple of years. So a lot of our business is T65 or their current clients that we're rewriting. I'm not, in, or, I'm, or it's MA to MA rewrites. I'm probably right now currently doing less new business underwritten meds up where where they weren't my client before then we have most in 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 his in most of our history um just kind of a shift to that turning 65 market because you know even though a lot of people are marketing there it's all new to them and it just seems to be working a little bit better for us but um you know used to yeah we would see them a lot where they they got the cheapest drug plan 
15 years ago and it was like a Humana $10 plan and now it's, you know, $70 and they don't even know because it's coming out of their social security check. Yeah. Uh, same thing with the old AARP plan. Now they're on AARP preferred and they take lisinopril and it makes zero sense for them. Um, that's happening. That happens quite frequently. Yeah, I, I see. I see that too. Like I, when I first started, at least in at least on this uh, market, like Humana, what there was like very few PDP options. Like there was the Humana Walmart plan, and then I see so many people that bought that eight, nine, ten years ago, and like it went through that change where they rolled it into the other Humana plan. The premiums, like like you said, like sixty, seventy, eighty bucks a month, depending on the market. And they're like, they're like, I don't pay a premium. You're crazy. I don't pay a premium. Like, I guarantee you, you're paying a premium. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, how much do you pay for that? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, uh, bet you're paying. And then when you tell them you saved the money and you change them to, you change them to like, like they were paying zero for lisinopril with, with uh, Humana Enhanced. And you, you change them to a, $7 or $12 drug plan, $14 drug plan and put $60 back in their check. But now they're paying $3 for lisinopril and yeah. they're like mad at you. Cause you just ruined everything. Like <laughs> I had a good thing going before you came along. <laughs> you, were, you were giving away like $57 extra a month for no reason. Yeah. That, that's true. But, you know, they don't understand it. You know, they, they think uh, they think Trump gave them the Social Security increase that amounted to the 60 extra dollars <laughs> I just put in there by saving them money on their drug plan. They don't really realize it was Medicare guru. Yeah, they're like, man, that, that Social Security increase is nice. No, it was 1.3 percent. Well, 1.3 percent must be more than I thought it was. So so you guys, Tony Merwin's jumping in here now. Ooh. What? Oh, here comes Tony. Here comes Tony. This is this is, this is getting an, it being interesting Taco Tuesday. Tony, the Merwin, the Merwinator. Oh. Hey. What up? What's going What's on, your man? Name? You guys hear me? Okay. Kind of echoey. Little echo. Sorry. What? It's... What is your name? Das Merwinator. Tony. I don't have, you, uh, Tony? I have my normal gear with me, so I'm having to work. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've stolen the Colombiana's workstation temporarily. Did did oh, uh, did nice. your local computer shop ruin your computer too and get rid of your calendar like mine did? No, not at all. Um, they did find some compromising photos though. <laughs> well, no. All of you, by the way, all of Tony, and all of, all of and me. That's why, <laughs> and that's why Taco Tuesday is now sponsored by Computer Universe <laughs> <laughs> for free. Yes, so, so, so just, Justin, I had a question for you. And Tony, I, this question could be for you too. So we're in Medicare gurus. I think it's only right to ask, what is your guys' expectation for the mastermind coming up here in a couple of weeks? Ooh, good question. Because I know Tony's going to be very heavily involved. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Could, Justin, could Justin give us a break? Uh, if you don't know there's a mastermind happening, maybe you've been living under a rock because you're so scared of... 2020 um maybe justin could give us a little spiel here what's the mastermind for the, for the medicare guru's mastermind has grown to be even more than i intended for it to be 
we uh, had an extra year of planning. Thank you, COVID and Chinese people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we, you know, and, and in the process, we were able to get quite a lot of uh, traction. And, um, and, you know, I think that it's, it's the, the deal with the Medicare Guru's mastermind and what a mastermind is, is a mastermind is a gathering of the minds. And so I didn't want to use any terminology related to a conference because I wasn't trying to have a conference. But now, I mean, you know, arguably it's as big as a conference. So it is a kind of a conference. Um, so it is going to be a collective of what I consider to be uh, thought leaders and um, agency owners that is going to be better than what I think we've seen in other places in that regard. So like break down like I've gone to a lot of conferences right and they all have something to get to 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 provide so um you know a lot of them are very hype and get me like amped up and I want to go back and just you know like beat up Conor McGregor or something like I don't know what I want to do with all the energy I have but I have it the other one that I get is that uh, that was know, just the methamphetamines Justin that that wasn't okay, the all right, conference all right all right I didn't know what that was when they gave <laughs> it to me, but I like so, it. some people some people call it a conference other people call it nightclubs <laughs> <laughs> well the the other the other side of that coin that you know we would go to is there would be um conferences that were uh pitch fest and they're designed for um actually the first time I met Tony in person was at uh the Metsup conference right it's a, but there's a lot of FMO emphasis, and a lot of times the mid-level agency owner gets kind of left out in that crowd, and it's it's more like, you know, there is an agent free day, but that's like vendor day, and they're just trying. It's like a sales fest of FMOs and stuff, and there's not a lot of like legitimate uh, conversation that happens. So what I was trying to accomplish was getting those mid-level producers to have their own event that is for us by us, you know, uh, FUBU. So, but it's for agents by agents, so FABA. Um, but, Faba. you know, we're, we have an agency and almost every single person involved is an agency owner or has been, you know, they have something in like to provide a value directly towards a mid-level agency owner. Uh, that that's just who I'm looking for. I'm looking for a mid-level is, is a diverse group. I would say people doing, you know, a uh, hundred thousand in premium or 75 to hundred Medicare advantage enrollments a year up to, you know, groups that are doing, you know, uh, 5 million in premium a year, or, uh, you know, I don't know, 2000 Medicare advantage plans a year, anywhere in that kind of spectrum. That's who it's really intended for the people that are trying to say, Hey, we're at this level. How can we grow and scale? And the cool thing that really happens in those groups is, you know, hopefully we do a good job. Hopefully Tony is going to do a good job with MC and I'm going to, you know, bring some value and there's going to be speakers that bring a lot of value. But hopefully what happens is we have successfully collected a group of people where every person you meet there is going to have something to share. And if we all have an open mind that we're there to grow together and not just everyone's competition, we could all learn something from one another. Because for me, and I'm sure all you would agree, anytime we get together with other people, I learn as much from the people that I meet at the after party or the cocktail hour or whatever, as I do from the stage, probably more so. And those relationships that you build could activate you know, something else, you know, and, and so that's why it's not like a recruiting festival or anything, but there, 
that's not to say there's not partnerships that will form uh, there. I mean, you know, there's people that, that Tony will meet that want to work with Tony, that I will meet that want to work with me, Christian will meet that want to work with him, uh, and, and any number of other people. And that's that's the cool thing is I think just just getting together. And, and even if you're not working with somebody, if you're learning from each other and becoming friends and, uh, and just putting faces to the names of all these friends that we've built on Facebook for the last couple of years and even more so because of COVID. So that's what it is. And Hey guys, I appreciate you letting me hop on and I'm sorry that I'm not getting up. I'll be on here a lot longer, but if I don't get in here for the seminar, all the old people are going to be like stabbing holes in the table saying, where's my steak? So <laughs> thank, thank, you I for, take, thank you for taking the time to come on. It was good to see you. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. I got to take care of these plate liquors guys. I'll see y'all later. Done. <laughs> Bye. So, so Tony, um, I wanted to kind of hear what you thought of uh, what, what your perspective is on, on that question I asked for Justin, because you're going to be a big part of the, the conference, you know, the, the mastermind, like you're going to be basically like, you know, the MC, you know, the one that's kind of kicking it off and everything like that. Like, what is your expectation going to be for it? I think Justin kind of wrapped it up really well, but there was some things that maybe he didn't quite say perfectly. Um, number one, as I've seen this uh, event develop, and I've been fortunate to see not only the rundown of the speakers, and I know a lot of the speakers, but I've seen the topics that they're speaking about. Um, it is all education, 100% from cover to cover, bell to bell every day is loaded with education, except maybe some of the bad jokes I might throw out as MC. Um, but it is truly an event, just like you said, where people can get together and mastermind and share what helps them be successful, not just... Uh, nuts and bolts stuff of this or that and hype and come work with us recruiting stuff, which has been very typical of insurance conferences over the last 17 years, right? Particularly in the previous years, you know, in the last, I would say maybe two to three years, we've seen an evolution in conferences and events uh, that I think was spurred on by Cody. And now uh, Justin's taken it even a step further and doing a really, uh, uh, concentrated event on Medicare specifically, not just insurance as a whole, and how you can succeed. Um, but one of the things that he said was that that networking that happens afterwards, you put all these people in a room, you give them all this wonderful educational content, and then you give them some time to talk about it amongst one another. And that's where the real value starts to really come up. And those organic uh, relationships start to form and friendships, where we can all continue to elevate each other. Um, you know, Landon McCarter always says a phrase that he didn't coin, but he utilizes a lot. It's a rising tide raises all ships. And that's what this event is designed to do, right? It's not designed to recruit agents and convince them to do contracts with any of us. It's designed to like, hey, we're all doing pretty well. We want to see everybody do pretty well. And here's some of the information that works for us that you could probably grab a hold of and use too. So it's definitely designed as, as for everybody to kind of uh, get on that boat that is that is rising right and be part of that that sensation so to speak yeah i mean justin posted i think it was just earlier today maybe yesterday but he was talking about you know your network is your net worth you know and and maybe maybe that's something that people don't like again the first time i heard that it was like eh but another saying that it's really common that I think really drives the point home is you're the average of the five people closest to you. And, and I really believe that one strongly. So, you know, when, when you hear people say something like your network is your net worth, 
well, you know, the five people closest to you, if, if they're all, you know, not producing a lot, then you're probably not producing a lot. You're definitely not getting any good ideas from them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and the flip side of that is if the five agents closest to you are all producing a significant amount of business, most likely you're going to be producing a significant amount of business too. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of, of networking and, and these conferences. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff is very contagious, right? Negativity, breeds negativity, positivity breeds positivity, right? If you hang around people that are on a path to success and they're positive about it and they have that winning mentality, it's going to rub off on you. If you're paying attention in the least, it's going to rub off on you. You can't help it. Yeah, I think it's it's a matter of like, are the is your inner circle pushing you up or is it dragging you down? Like correct. Like for for me, and 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 I, I think it's such a powerful thing to think about because like I would say our business had our best year in 2020 despite COVID, it was our best year ever in a multitude of different ways. And I, I directly tie that to forming a lot of relationships with other people in the industry. Because before that, you know, the inner circle in terms of people I knew in the industry were here in Utah, very few people outside of Utah. And a lot of the people that I knew, like there was a couple people I knew that were in the business, but nothing, no one that was like, you know, outside of like, we have a contract here or contract there or, you know, this person is a contact I know at an insurance company or something like that. The amount of people I've been able to get to know like Glenn and Tony, like you and like Justin, you know, just because of these groups has, in my opinion, I think played a huge role in kind of helping me do what I've been able to do with our company. And I'm sure other people in the groups have been able to speak on that. Um, Absolutely. It puts just a little bit of gasoline on your fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know one thing that we, one topic me and Glenn were kind of batting back and forth to talk about with Justin, but Tony, I think you're just as good, if not better of a person to talk to about it. Cause I think you've he's seen- like the wall. Tony's like the Walmart version of Justin Brock, the Walmart version. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> no, no, but, um, but, but, but we, we, were batting, we were batting this idea back and forth about discussing like has have the Facebook groups and the evolution of social oh, media in our yeah. industry has has it been a good thing for the industry or a bad thing? Like I would put that in the good category, but Tony, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because you've seen it. It's all in right how now. you use it. It's all in how you use it as the user, right? We're all users of the content that we're some of us creating and some of us just watching and tapping into and learning. It's all in how you use it. I mean, if all you do is sit there and scan through these Facebook groups and read all this wonderful material that we put out, and you're like. Oh, that's wonderful. And then your day's gone and you haven't done anything with the knowledge. You haven't actually even tried to, you know, be productive in your day. Then you're reading it for entertainment purposes. And obviously it's, it's bad, right? So it's, it's on the user to dictate that. Obviously the material that, that you put out, that I put out, that Justin puts out, that Glenn puts out, that people like Eric Fierro and Cody put out, it's extremely high value content, but ultimately, which is good for the industry, but ultimately it's up to you as the user to decide whether it's good or bad for you, right? Are you using it properly? Um, and ultimately, you know, it, it's one thing to get knowledge, but the second part of it is, are you applying it? Are you putting it into your business and trying to practice it to improve yourself? Or again, are you just reading the stuff for entertainment purposes? If you're just there for entertainment, go find something else to do. You know, that's all you're going to do is dilute the group for one, especially if you're participating on an entertainment level. Um, but ultimately, you're just not doing yourself any kind of a service whatsoever. 
you know, and it is easy to get lost in some of these groups because there's a ton of information out there and you can get in there and start scrolling and reading. And next thing you know, you're down a rabbit hole and you spent the last two hours. That's great. You're probably getting a lot of valuable info out of it. But again, a little bit of time management there. Make sure that you're tapped into that stuff when the time is right for you so that you can then take it back the next day and apply it. You have to learn to drink your cup, right? If you're going to be a good student, you show up with an empty cup, you take it home, you drink it, and then come back and refill it again. But so many people will show up for this type of material. They'll let them fill, but then they never actually take the time to drink it. Tony, yeah. uh, do you have some hard feelings still about the fantasy draft we did? And <laughs> no, I crushed y'all. Why would I have he hard won. feelings? I absolutely destroyed it. He won. He the uh, vote said he won. No, even 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 if even if Glenn and I don't like it, even if Glenn and I don't like it, there will be a second one of those. By the way, if you guys saw that, we did a fit. The three of us did a fantasy carrier draft where we basically built our portfolios in the senior insurance market. I think mine was the most rounded. That's my personal opinion. I'm going to leave it at that. Tony, we all finished really strong. You okay, finished okay. strong because Christian and I both dropped the ball on a couple of carriers right at the end that we just completely overlooked and you immediately picked it up and grabbed it. So I would say you were a strong finisher in that, but ultimately, that, you know, United Healthcare is going to win. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think, I, think I, I can probably just run with that one. All right. I, I, I think if you look at my, if my, my portfolio, I think it had the most diversity on on the board in terms of having strong medicare advantage carriers and strong medicare supplement carriers and strong ancillary carriers like i, I don't know guys i don't know I, I, was, I was feeling my my portfolio a little bit watch if you guys haven't seen that i thought that was a great episode check that out it's yeah. on christian's youtube it was a heck of a lot of fun too it was so we'll have to do that again soon but to go back to your question christian about you know social media and the facebook groups and how has this affected the insurance industry and i think there is a lot of pros and cons to kind of the whole scenario. I think the, the plus side or the good side is some of this additional transparency that all these agents, and I'm so jealous of some of these new agents who come in and like all of this information is right there. When I got in the industry, you know, almost 10 years ago, there was not this type of transparency or this amount of information that's available. And it's everywhere, I feel like. I mean, there's so many different Facebook groups, websites, you know, people on YouTube, you know, like, like your channel, Christian, and, you know, Justin Brock has a channel. And I think Eric has a channel, like all these people that we talked about. So that's a really positive thing. And, and I think there's a lot you can take from it. But the negative side is also the fact that, and, and this kind of goes back to when we were talking to Scotty a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how, you know, people love to just jump on here and, and basically create drama that's fictionalized. You know, they're, they're saying stuff that's not entirely true. Um, they're going after an upline. They're going after another agent. Um, and I think a lot of that can be distracting. And, and it's kind of like what you said, Tony. I mean, like, if, you're, if you end up spending half your day in a Facebook thread and you're arguing with someone over, uh, over like a moot point, right, that has like no value, um, then we're, we're at the point where like, this is a negative thing. And so you see a lot of kind of both, you'll see like a lot of value, a lot of good information, a lot of transparency, but then you'll also see the other side of it. You'll see people misleading people because it's financially motivating for them. Like we talked about before Tony and Justin got on, 
you know, there's people who are going to say things that make that they're just trying to make themselves money. I see it every freaking day, guys. Um, so you got to be careful about that. You got to be careful about people who are just trying to create drama and there's not really any value to what they're sharing. And you also have to make sure that they are uh, an actual expert in what they're claiming to be. And here, and when we, when the pandemic started, I'll never forget this. And I won't let anybody forget this because us three specifically, Christian and Tony and myself, we have been a huge proponent of telesales to the point where we may have even offended someone. Tony, Tony more than any of us. <laughs> and when the pandemic started, everybody became telesales experts overnight. And I just remember being like, bullshit, specifically <laughs> on a few agents where I'm like, I know for a fact you haven't been selling over the phone. And then within a month of the pandemic, they claimed that they were like telesales extraordinaire. And I'm just like, that's just not true. So that's my long winded answer to that question. Yeah. yeah. People will always spring on a challenge right they'll see an opportunity because with every challenge there's always an opportunity you know so it's just how do you take advantage of it you'll certainly see people that have uh, nefarious motives in some form they'll use that opportunity to their advantage you know so that's that's true in any business i know and i i i think there's good and bad you know to, to to give you my my answer to my own question um i think there's good and bad on on what i've observed over the last couple of years being a part of the groups and more good one. or is it more bad is it more good or is it more bad i think it's more good um i think the good is obviously like what you guys said i think you guys both very uh, articulately put out there what is the good about it and that is you know the amount of value that's at the agent's fingertips is absurd compared to the way it was Glenn, when you got in the business, Tony, when you got in the business, and even when I got in the business, even though I got in later on, um, on than you guys did, um, it just didn't exist like that. Um, and now, you know, you can find almost any conversation in a big group like this group, Medicare gurus that we're in right now, um, or even in my group, it's my group's been around a year or so, and you can probably find a lot of the material as well. And, um, so I think, I think that is good, the, the ability to share the information. I think where it's bad is, um, like, I, I understand where someone like Scotty come, was coming from when he comes on here and he talks about how, you know, like, I, I know for a fact that this, that this gets under some people's skin, that, like, somebody that has maybe an office of 50 agents, let's say, they'll come in and they'll post, um, we did, you know, I don't know. 500 apps today or 300 apps today or something like that. They'll just put up some ridiculous number and the agents are kind of comparing themselves to that, not really taking the time to think that, Hey, this is a group of people, not just one person that's writing all this business. Um, like I was talking to an agent that works with us here in Utah, literally a couple of weeks ago. And she was asking me about somebody that posts a lot in the groups about, and then they're like, they're like, I feel like when I read those posts, she was like, I feel like when I read those posts that I suck. And she's, she's a really good agent, like a really, really, really good agent. She's like one of the best ACA agents I, I know. Um, and she's a very good Medicare agent too. She has those Medicare with us. And um, I, I took the time to explain to her. I was like, this person is a great producer. Um, I was like, but you got to keep in mind, it's an office of agents. It's not just one person. So like sometimes when they go and post those numbers, it's for a group of people, not just one specific person. She's like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, it, I, so I think that can be kind of, demoralizing to a new agent that's trying to figure out like what should my targets be and then they're 
trying to hit targets that a whole group or an office is hitting together, you know? So I, I think yeah, there's a the year veteran agent has done, you know, and you're in your first six months trying to duplicate that. It's not going to happen. My wife is, I love that you pointed that out. My wife's had the same issue. Right. And I see her just beating herself up. She's like, I'm terrible. I'm like, uh, you've already written a hundred apps. This is your first, you just got licensed in May. Fantastic. Like what, you're, Fantastic. Believe me, you're killing it. You're doing great. It's like, you don't have to compare yourself to some of these people that are writing 500 apps a year. Because I can understand that's not all organic new business. There's some replacement business going on in there too. But, you know, just, but she um, sees that she compares herself with people that have been out there producing for five years, seven years, 10 years, you know, and they have a huge book of business that they're managing and, you know, and they'll throw out. I'm not a huge fan of throwing out production numbers like that uh, for that reason, but I understand that sales and it's part of what we do in sales you know, you throw out your accolades and so forth. But yeah, it does make it a challenge for new people because then they start to they start to doubt themselves, even though they're on a great path and they're doing very very well. That that replacement business too, like there's an agency that will be on leaderboards for a lot of the carriers. Like I know they do a lot of business, but I got kind of a peek behind the scenes working with them, and I found out that depending on the the day the week or the month i mean almost half of their business could be replacement business where again they're trying to save their clients money you know ethically replacing their own business but again from the outsider's perspective you look at this leaderboard and you think oh my gosh you know here's someone who's just crushing it but then the reality is you know taking they're just on the hamster wheel yeah i mean taking taking a client that's already on your book and you don't have to get any special information. You have a five or 10 minute conversation and you roll them. That is a completely different animal than trying to actually acquire a new client. Um, and so there's so, I think that's part of the negativity of the, the social media is, you know, not even necessarily that someone's lying, but it just could be misleading, you know? Yeah. 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 Like 100%. There's, not, there's not all the info there. Like I, early on in the, infancy stage, if you will, of six-figure Medicare agent, I got into posting numbers like that a lot and I stopped doing it. I've really tried to back away from it because I feel like it doesn't, I've I've talked to some agents, you know, like that will be like, oh, it it motivates me and stuff like that. I think for the grand majority of people, I just don't think it brings anything. Um, So I, I just, I, I've kind of backed away from it for that reason. And then like, you know, there's people that will come in and be like, oh, my office wrote 3,000 apps during AEP or something like that. They're like, we wrote, you know, 10 million in premium or something like that. I'm just like, it starts to get ridiculous. And like, I'm just like, I just don't feel that it's um, really a benefit to the community. And and I, there, there's a lot of new agents in there that are looking for guidance and um, like, like, like Grace, you know, the, like Grace that is destroying it, doing phenomenal like Rebecca Davis just commented, she said she'd take her if you don't want her, you know, Tony. Um, but, uh, but 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 my point is like you know, any seasoned agent knows that she's crushing it, but she doesn't realize that she's crushing it because she's seen all these ridiculous posts and not putting right. them into context. Yeah, so it has, it doesn't benefit the people that you want it to benefit in a positive light, right? The people that 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 the people that some of those production numbers or whatever that get it and that appreciate it are the same people that are doing those kind of numbers already. Right. 
So they're like, yeah, they know what it feels like to go out and write, you know, 200,000 in premium or go out and write 500 MA apps in a season, right? So they're kudos, they get it and great. But the people that either A, don't believe you, <laughs> he's full of crap, or B, or the newer agent, they're like, wow, I suck, right? It doesn't have a positive impact on the people that you truly want it to impact the most. That's my opinion. I I do love, one of my favorites is when someone does post like, and, and I, again, you know, being around as long as I have, I, I understand more than I think the average agent. But when someone does post numbers and then someone comments, you're like, that's bullshit. There's no way you wrote that much. I know you're lying. And everyone's like, no, actually 20 apps in a day isn't crazy. Like if you know what you're doing, like, you know, yeah. maybe some of it's follow-up, maybe some of it's rewrites, you know, like it's possible to do 20 apps in a day, you know, or whatever the number is. But um, I think there's a lot of limiting beliefs out there too. That's always fun to see like, oh, you can only write two apps a day. Everyone knows that, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, but overall, like to get back to the, the actual question, like for me personally, I think there's way more positive than negative you know, cause I think it just kind of pulls the blanket off of everything and kind of just unveils a lot of the stuff that might've been hidden before, maybe five years ago. Yeah. First, I didn't even think about it from the transparency aspect of it. And I appreciate you pointing that out because that is absolutely spot on. There's a ton of agents in there that lay it down exactly like it is pull off the, the hood, so to speak, the man behind the curtain. Um, but then also that it's that organic relationship building that it creates again just to get back to that right like i didn't know who the hell you guys were two years ago before i you know and i'm i owe a ton of thank you and credit to joe tritola who runs the medicare mentors group um i've known joe for 10 years and he reached out to me one day was like hey man you gotta get some of these facebook groups there's a ton of value in there i know you have a ton of value to give i think you could help a lot of us and you could help yourself and he invited me to gurus and the next thing you know he started mentors and then oh. i met christian i jumped into his group and so forth so um that yeah they, again it's creating a tighter and joe camper and i were actually talking about this how all of this stuff is kind of cultivating into this web of people that are moving that are tying together and moving up right through a transparent share of information and assistance with one another yeah yep i think you'll you'll find that there'll probably be an opposite web of people who don't want to participate in the groups, who don't want to recommend, you know, someone. Yeah, they're on Reddit. Yeah, 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 exactly. They're they're anonymous, right? Yeah, they're. Um, and that's one thing too that I think is funny is like everyone thinks like, oh man, like these few Facebook groups are the entire community. Like if you look at the actual community as a whole, it's a ton of tiny fraction. Yeah, it's, it's a it's sliver. Piece. It's a sliver in these Facebook groups compared to the entire, uh, you know, Medicare or senior insurance agent. Like there's a ton of agents who aren't on there. I mean, there's some really great agency owners that I do business with. And it's just funny because like they're big producers, but they are not involved in any of these groups. And so I think sometimes that will kind of warp people's vision too. Like this is the Medicare space. Like yeah. it's the same hundred jerks. Yeah. They're writing all the business. No, we're just the ones that like to be more social and, and yeah. share and, and connect with people. But yeah, I mean, there's, there are 
tons of great producers in my downline and in my group that they could care less. I can't even get them on LinkedIn, yep. much less on Facebook. Yep. hundred percent. They're like, they're too busy writing business, babe. I'm not going to complain. There, there's an agent in Utah that has, you know, he used to be the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Utah market manager. When, when my dad was building his business, he's been around a while. He's probably in his fifties now. And um, he went independent and he had a ton of contacts being a market manager. He long story short, almost every credit union we have in the, in the area sends him referrals. Like he just has all these connections. He, and he writes, he, he's got a monster business. Like he's probably got 5,000 clients or something like that. If I had to think if I had maybe five wow. to six or seven, he's always number one for every single med sub carrier, you know, like, so if, if Christian comes in at number three, let's say one month, he's always two spots ahead of me every single time I cannot beat him. And, um, and so but I've never seen him in a group. You know what I mean? Like I know him personally, like I, I, about three months ago, I was going to dinner somewhere and I bumped into him in the, in the, um, and he's known me since I was a little kid. Cause he knew my dad, like he bumped into me in the parking lot and he's like, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, Oh yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I got this Facebook group going on. He's like, a what? <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the best agents I've ever, ever met in my entire life. Like he's just a monster. And um, he's like, he's, he's, he's creating an, an FMO now here locally and everything like that. But like, you know, he, 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 he's not even aware of it. Like, it's just like, doesn't even think about it. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a small percentage. Like how many agents do you think are out there, Tony, that are contracting the Medicare space? 100,000, 200,000? No, not that many. Um... I used to know this number pretty well. I remember Mutual Law at one point clouding that they had 50,000 agents under contract. That's certainly not all of them still. I think it's less than, I think at most it'd be 100K. I bet, I think it's less than 100,000 contracted Medicare agents would be my guess. That would make sense. 100,000, maybe like 80,000, 90,000, something like that. Like, yeah. And, and if you, and if you put together, I was talking to Joanna about this the other day too. And she pointed it out to me. She's like, if you, she's like, if you put all the agents together in all these groups and let's be real, you know, probably two thirds of every group is in all the other groups too, you know? And she's like, so we make up such a fraction of the available community. It's, it's interesting, but it's also interesting that with such a small fraction of the community, what an impact they can make. Absolutely. What a huge impact we can make 100%. I think um, I want to say the stat, the last number I saw, I want to say was like 70. I don't know. Again, I don't know how recent that number was, but I want to say it was like 70,000 Medicare agents, but. Um, I bet know, it's quite a bit higher than me. Well, Medicare, I don't know, but it, it, I bet it's still quite a bit higher than that. So I mean, so I, I hope it's, so I, I hope it's bigger than a hundred K. I wanted to read some yeah. comments guys. Cause there's been some interesting comments that have been sliding into the comment section. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, so Myra said, yes, I agree. So many agents are not in the groups. Um, and Rebecca Davis said integrity has like 300,000 agents. I've heard that before. That's a lot. It's definitely that. big. And I can say this for a fact, cause I downloaded a recruiting list of life and health agents in Illinois which turned out to be a waste of our marketers' time. Um, <laughs> I threw, got it through Discovery Data, but there was over 30,000 agents on that list alone that had an active uh, health license. Just in Illinois, it's one state. Now, they're not all selling Medicare. There's a lot of group, that's, and that's why it turned out to be a waste of time. 
Because right. Illinois, you can't get very good data on recruiting list whatsoever. They don't share appointments. They don't publicize any of that stuff. So all you can do is pull a list of like life or health agents or whatever. So you end up with a ton of group agents. You end up with a ton of captive agents, right? And it's hard to differentiate that other than just picking up the phone and calling each and one of those persons. So it ended up wasting, you know, most of our marketers' time. We're like, yeah, just we'll find a better way to attack Illinois. But that list was over 30,000 just in that one state. How many active life health licenses do you think there are nationwide? Well, that, that's an interesting question because there's a lot of agents that have a license, but they might not be appointed with anything. Like maybe they're just inactive. Like my wife, my wife has a license. She's not contracted for anything. There you go. You know, my mom has a license. You know, how many of those are there out there? A lot. Uh, there's definitely a lot. I mean, there are a lot. Um, I don't have the list in front of me right now, but there's a huge list of, that you can pull of Texas agents that are Medicare certified. And a ton of those people have zero appointments. I don't know why they go to the trouble of certifying for Medicare, but they can do it for any number of reasons. Maybe they're a marketer that has a license and they decided to go through that process so they can be better at what they do. Uh, maybe they work for a company and they just you know, wanted to learn that and sharpen their skill set as well. It could be that they're maintaining that license for a later date that they're going to utilize for sales. And now they're right now they're doing something else. There's, you know, a whole bunch of reasons why someone would end up having a license for some strange reason. Uh, and then at some point you have guys that have been in the business so long, they don't have to do CE anymore and their license just stays active. I wish but they're not even me. selling. <laughs> I mean, I've called, <laughs> well, I've definitely I, called guys that their license shows active, but they've been dead for a while. You know, this, this kind of ties. It's really. Mm-hmm. That's insane. You know, his wife answers the phone and like he's dead. He doesn't sell insurance anymore. And his license still shows active. <laughs> his license still shows up as active. It's like uh, Mutual of Omaha just got an app last week from your husband's writing number. What What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, so guys, um, one last question I wanted to throw out there was Isaac Lind asked, um, "What are our thoughts on boneless wings?" Oh, chicken nuggets? No thanks. They're chicken tenders. They're not. They're not boneless wings. They're chicken tenders. Yeah, that's my thoughts as well. Not 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 that I don't like chicken tenders. I love me some chicken tenders, but um, I've never understood why they why why the drumstick falls in the wing category. That's the part that still confuses me. Doesn't but when we're to really fast kind of go back to when we're talking about production and like how some people are posting their production and. I mean, isn't the average Medicare agent, if you were to take the average, isn't it like five apps a year? Isn't that what the mm-hmm. average Medicare That's what I've agent- always been told by yeah. um, our FMO is that that's like around the average for the year, not just during a year. That's correct. Year. That's Less correct. than one a month. Yeah. Not to say that the average producer sucks and only knows how to write five apps. That's people that are in other lines of business that stumble into five Medicare apps and they just don't want to that don't want to lose the business, right? I mean, I work yeah. with, a, I can probably think of about 15 to 20 PNC agencies that I work with where PNC is their primary line, but their clients are getting older and they're like, well, I don't mind if it's only five apps. I mean, it's only five apps, but it's still money in my pocket. It's still a relationship that I can take care of this client for. Um, and I love those guys, you know, because they don't bug you very much. You know, they write their five apps. They'll call you every once in a while and be like, hey, I just, you know, make sure this application is still up to date because I got one to write again, finally. You know, they're super cool dudes. Uh, but yeah, that's a big part of what drags that number down. There are certainly non-producers as well 
you know, or people that get licensed and end up not making it in the business or quitting for whatever reason. But that average is brought down mainly from people that are in other lines as their primary and Medicare is just a secondary and tertiary line. They just write a handful of apps every year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably, that's a, whether it's 100,000 or 200,000 agents, there's probably only 10% of those that are actually out writing business every single day or every single week. It's such oh, absolutely a- Pareto principle, 100%. So I just, I guess that's the one thing that bothers me the most is like, I just look at there's so there's such an abundance of opportunity and yet the community doesn't always reflect that. Um, You know, you see when someone does post and they're talking about their apps that they've written or so and so I'm going to report this agent, I'm trying to take them down. Like there's so much business for all of us. Like I really, I love the unity when we do come together and we can, you know, even if we're not necessarily working together, I think there's still a way that we can work together to ascend, like you talked about earlier, Tony, you know, a, a rising tide raises all ships. I think we can better the community and it will help all of us, even if it's not a direct relationship with another agent. I Absolutely. Just, yeah. I, I, I hope more, more agents come on board with that because again, as a new agent myself coming into the industry, I thought everyone was my enemy. You know, I'm like, Christian, don't take my clients. Bah, 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 bah. You know, I'm like, so uh, it's definitely, it's a mind, it's just a mindset thing, you guys. And I think if the, the more, philosophy. yeah, the more people that come on board with that, the better I think. I, I really, I, I'm dying to know the stat now. I want to know exactly how many agents there are. I'd love to know that too. I, I was, I was talking to, it's, uh, to kind of piggyback on what you said, Glenn, about the, like, we're really not in direct competition with each other. Cause I believe that, you know, like I did, I did an interview with Galen early last year is my first instance I ever met her. And she very adamantly and articulately pointed out, she was like, she's like, I've known Justin Brock and Eric Fierro for years. And she's like, I've never ran into one of their clients. You know, I've never ran into a Christian Brindle client. I've never, this does, it hasn't happened, you know? And that just talks about, you know, even agencies that are humongous agencies that, you know, make millions of dollars a year in production. They're just such a drop in the pot of what's out there. There's enough for everybody. I I told a new agent recently that we brought on board and I was training her and she was like, she was like, she was like, how do I beat other agents? And I told her, I was like, I was like, listen, I'm like, here's, I'm like, I think that's the wrong attitude. Like, cause that's how I looked at things when I started. I was like, I think you need to not really look at other agents as your competition. You should be looking at e-health as your competition, as Walmart as your competition, as Amazon as your competition. If they jump in, you know, I'm like, you should be looking at these big corporations as your competition because the mom and pop agency, like, you know, little Johnny Fisher around the corner, you know, in his office is not going to put you out of business. E-health can put you out of business if they got big enough. Yeah. The other agents that are independent brokers like you, or that's your brotherhood. That's the guys that you need to support and, and treat in good spirit and good faith. Right. Don't, don't downplay them. Don't down talk them, help them, you know, be camaraderie, have a camaraderie with them and so forth. hundred percent. And that's how we can fight these other big corporations. Um, but you know, something in this, when Glenn was talking about, you know, acting in the good of the community, this, and I'm not trying to tout here, but the, this is the reason why we have an open release policy at PSM is because not having one is not conducive to the spirit of the community and insurance. It, it doesn't help anybody. 
right? Ultimately, our our goal is we as product distributors, as an FMO or NMO, is to get that company, Mutual Omaha, Aetna, whoever it is, as much business as we can. That's really our job, right? And our function. Right. So if I hold an agent captive and prevent him from releasing him, well, he's not going to write business anyway. So now not only am I screwing that agent and developing a bad name for myself possibly, but I'm also doing a disservice to the carrier that hired me and gave me the NMO contract to produce business for him, right? It's, it's all just a negative. So and the Medicare we embrace that for that specific reason, that knowing that overall it's for the good of the community. And the Medicare beneficiaries that could have been. And they correct. Right. Yeah. I, I totally, I don't, I feel like it was within the last year or so where like you really, the more you zoom out, like the better picture you get when you can really look at the entire organization from top to bottom, like it, the, the more beneficiaries that get helped, the better it is for them, the better it is for the agent, the better it is for the agency, the better it is for the IMO, the better it is for the carrier. Like it really, it really is this giant organism, essentially. We're all connected at some level. And so, yeah, I think, I think once you can really see it that way, I, I feel like it really changes how you do business. I really do. Well said. I agree. I think Some that was very high well level stuff right there. Like, like I, I, when I was a new agent, I would shit on other agents. I would badmouth other agents to try to steal clients from them. Like I would go in and be like, you know, if it was an agent I knew, I'd be like, oh, you don't want to work with that agent. He's fat or something. You know, like there was one agent in particular, there was one agent in particular. And I feel bad about this. It's a, it's a hysterical story, but I feel bad about this to this day. There's this agent that was in Utah and he would go to all the meetings, right, for all the carriers and things like that. And the dude was gigantic. Like he was like 400 pounds, um, like legit, like big boy, you know. And he wasn't very gracious at the, at the um, meetings and stuff. Like he would stand up and challenge the presenter, interrupt the whole, you know, presentation and be like, that's not how it works. That's not how your scope of appointment works. Or that's not CMS compliant or something, some stupid thing. And just like make, keep us all from being able to go home. So I didn't like this guy. Well, I ran, I, I, there was a summer where I kept running into his clients over and over and over and over and over. And I would just roast this guy in people's houses. And um, it, <laughs> there was one client in particular, he said, he comes into the house and he sits in one of his chairs and breaks one of the legs, one of his chairs and the agent. And, and, and he, and he was just like, I don't want to do business with this agent. He just rubbed me the wrong way. He broke my chair. He can barely fit through my door. Like the client was totally turned <laughs> off by him. And um, I just came in and I just poured gasoline all over that fire. I'm like, yeah, screw that guy. He's a big fat jerk. And I, I, and I was a new agent. Right. But that was the wrong approach, you know, like that was the wrong way for me to go about it. You know what I mean? Like, um, but I, I mean, that was how I conducted myself as a new agent. And I, I, I formed a lot of enemies very quickly. Um, it's just not the right way to do business. <laughs> That's what I did. I used to have a marketer that would do that. You know, agents would call them and go, hey, well, you know, I was talking to this other FMO group. He's like, oh, you don't want to work with them. They support the Taliban. You don't want to work with them. <laughs> he would say goofy stuff like, he, and he would always say something that was so obviously exaggerated. There was a joke, you know, but he would use stuff like that to kind of, disparage other groups a little bit in some form, but now work with us. Well, I think you'll see it on, in, in the agency level too. I think that's where it's most interesting is I've seen agencies and, and worked in agencies where, um, you know, it's a collective 
community where everyone's trying to help each other inside the agency. Oh, hey, you know, I talked, oh, I did talk to this person a couple of weeks ago, but you go ahead and write her. I'm already busy with someone else anyways. And then I've seen it the other way where they, it's essentially this, you know, free for all where people are willing to eat each other. You know, they're talking shit about each other. They're taking business. They're taking leads from each other. Um, and yeah, it's just such a night and day difference. And again, it's kind of the, the same way. I think the community, it can go either way. You know? Yeah. yeah. Those same, that those same two cultures exist in the marketing side of it too. Oh yeah. There are marketers that, that have the, uh, mentality that they own their agent so to speak right yep and they get and i'm talking within the same marketing group i'm not talking from one to the next right where you get a little pissed off because maybe somebody over there recruited one of your agents that's just the nature of the business but i'm talking in the same office space marketers fighting and being argumentative instead of just doing what's in the best interest of that agent taking good care of them properly and i'm fortunate Thankfully, through the guidance of the principals at PSM, we don't have that culture. All of our marketers, they treat each other's agents just like it is like one of their guys that they work with, right? So if you know if if Jeff is out and maybe he's on vacation or sick or whatever, and one of his agents calls in, dude, one of the marketers picks that guy up and takes care of him, just like he's Jeff's agent. And if it results in a new contract, Jeff gets that contract. That new marketer that keep and go, oh, well, he called and I helped him on this one. You were out. <laughs> No, they're like, hey, man, you know, so-and-so called while you were out. Uh, one of the new, one of the Ameritas contract or whatever it was, I sent it all to them and uh, worked with uh, IT to make sure it was coded to you. You're all good. So that's the culture that we have. And I'm super blessed that we have that culture. Love it. And it's helped us thrive. But I've seen other groups where they fight amongst themselves internally over business. And it's, you know, it's just, it's childish, truthfully. We talked about it in depth last week marketer roulette you know we were these some of these organizations will get a bad name when it's really just a bad marketer that's kind of this mid-level employee Mm -hmm. that can really you know make or break an agent or an agency because their marketer is you know doing doing things that upset them so yeah 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 he has you know ulterior nefarious motives you know or just a lack of empathy and compassion and care to service Hundred you know, percent. If we're going to generate business, we have to learn to service it. And you guys know that, and that's the same on the marketing side of it as well. I think well, you know it, it's interesting too because like sometimes it's and you know a marketer has a certain way of doing things that might might not be like reflective of what the FMO might normally do. Another time too, it's just like the marketers like maybe a newer marketer, you know, and they still don't really know like the tricks of the trade. I told that, I told that story last week where there was that, that marketer that we, we got assigned a new marketer with agent pipeline years ago. And he was calling us on like October 5th or October 6th or something like that, trying to get us to sign up for this, you know, new med subcom company. And it was some company I've never heard of. I still haven't heard of them. I don't even know if they're still around, but like he was, he called like four or five times in that week. And, and back then I wasn't dealing with any of this stuff. I was just selling, you know, my dad was, you know, the man with the con, you know, he, he was doing all the recruiting and everything. And um, my dad like ripped him a new asshole a little bit. He was like, dude, it's freaking AEP. Like, are you, are you, are you stupid? Like my, my dad's not a very nice person with that kind of stuff. Like my dad's pretty, you know, he'll let it all hang out a little bit. And, um, but, but like we, you know, he complained about that marketer to agent pipeline. They gave us a new marketer. The new marketer was awesome. You know, just completely different. So I think it, it, it's very telling one marketer to the other, even in the same group. 
Absolutely. You know, one of the, one of the disadvantages of being a new marketer sometimes is your lack of knowledge, just like a new agent, right? We're all guilty of this as new people in any uh, skill set or business. Um, and then Nate Offer pointed this out through a demonstration at 8%. Actually, it was the after event, uh, the SWAT event of how if we're asked a question and we don't know the answer, our human nature will pretend to know the answer and we'll just make some stuff up. And we may actually believe that is the right answer, but we don't know if we're good or what we, because we don't want to say, I don't know. Never. We'll just make something up. Right? Never. <laughs> Which way is the store? Oh, it's over there. Yeah, you don't that have words at all, but um, but one of the but if you, if you have someone that's confident enough in themselves to say, you know what, I don't know, but I'm gonna find out, and I will, uh, and and they follow through with that. That's when you know you got somebody good on your crew that's that has your best interest because they're willing to throw themselves in the bus as light as they go. I don't have that answer right now, but I will find it. Not just circle back; they'll yeah. actually do it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, we're we're past our typical hour mark, you guys. So I want to kind of wrap things up. And any final thoughts, uh, Christian and Tony? I don't know who wants to go first, but would love to hear them. And until next Tuesday, you guys. So yeah, thank you. Let me hop on. If uh, if there's any, if, you, if you're thinking about wanting to go to Memphis for Medicare Masterminds, and you're listening to this, I don't know if there's any tickets left. But contact Justin Brock or Steve Martinez in the Medicare Gurus Group. There have been a few late minute. Uh, cancellations of people that can't make it for whatever reason. So there may be a couple of straggling tickets still out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm hope I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all the people that are going to be there. Like Tony, I'm looking forward to spending some time with you, getting to meet you in person, like Joanna, Galen, a bunch of people, you know, um, I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. And I hope to see a lot of you guys there. You know, I hope to see a, a bunch of you there, um, maybe people that I've gotten to know in the groups and even people I haven't gotten to know in the groups. I'm just, you know, looking forward to connecting with everybody and spending some quality time. And, um, my final thoughts are Tony, thank you for coming on. Cause it was kind of like a last second spur of the moment thing when Justin couldn't come on. I was like, wouldn't it be awesome if Tony could come on, you know, it was like, and, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, we didn't, we didn't plan it out with you or anything. So I, I appreciate you coming on at just such a last minute thing. So thank you. No, no problem at all, man. You know, um, Grace is out of town. She's hanging out in Columbia and enjoying some of the fruits of her labor and visiting with her family. So hence I'm at her workstation because all my gear is back at my office at the new studio. Had you given me a little more heads up, you would have seen all the blue light studio special. Uh, but here I am. And yeah, I love to participate in this stuff. So I'm always happy to help. Anytime. Tony, Tony, do I need to send you Uber Eats then? To keep no, you I have some Kung Pao chicken left over from yesterday's Uber Eats. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yesterday's Uber Eats? <laughs> yeah, Tony likes his Kung Pao spicy. There you go. You know, Tony, if you're going to be getting into a lot of Uber Eats, you need that Uber credit card. It's like 4 or 5% of cash back on Uber Eats, just, just so you know. Just okay. send this plug. They're a sponsor. There you go. Right on. Well, <laughs> um, you know, final thoughts. It was a great conversation, kind of uh, rambunctious today uh, with some of the the different things that we talked about but um if you guys enjoyed today's episode we have all of our previous episodes including the fantasy draft episode like i talked about before the videos are uploaded on the six figure medicare agent youtube channel um, the audio can be found on any of our major podcasting platforms like itunes spotify um, so definitely check those out leave us a review if you enjoyed uh, 
the conversation. <laughs> if you wanted to uh, recommend us to another agent, we would love that. Uh, but yeah, until next time, you guys, we will see you next Tuesday. Adios, everybody.